0: We got to get through it, man. We got a lot. We got a lot to do today. There's a lot. A lot to do. I'm not even here's the thing I'm not even going to intro the show. (laughs) These people know what it is. (laughs) Okay, it's on the episode, it's on the podcast. Whatever. You got it. You know what it is. You know what we do. It's terrible. It's a terrible burden we've uh, come across. But we have a lot to do today. We watched uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth installment in the Fast and Furious franchise this week. Uh, And we have top five performance lists from that episode? Question mark? This is correct. All right. But first, I got a top ten list of 2020 that I promised the listeners I was going to get to. And I got to it, and here it is. I want to get through it in like 10 minutes. I don't got a lot of time. I don't got a, I got a yoga class to get to. <laughs> all right, so this is Nick's top 10 of 2020. Now, a couple disclaimers here, Daryl. These are movies I saw either in the theater in New Zealand in 2020 or on like a big release on like Netflix or something in 2020. I'm not saying all these movies like first Popped out in fucking 2020. They may have been released internationally, other than New Zealand, in 2019. They may have been on um, festival circuit kind of shit. But I'm just talking about like what I saw, whatever. Second disclaimer: I did not see everything as much as I try to in uh, 2020. So if your favorite is not on this list, if you're like, well, how could you exclude this thing or what? I just I didn't see everything. There's a good chance I just didn't see it. May have made the list. I'm just not a comprehensive moviegoer as much as I'd like to be. I got shit to do. I got Mm -hmm. a life and a job.
1: And here at No One Likes the Tuna podcast, we only talk about stuff that we watch.
0: That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Daryl. All right, my brother. So coming in at number 10 is a movie called First Cow. First Cow. Directed by Kelly Reichardt and starring Joe Magaro and Orion Lee. Have you heard of this movie?
1: Have not. No. It's
0: about two settlers in the Oregon territories in the, I want to say, early eighteen hundreds, um, who meet by sort of come across each other in chance encounter. One is a cook for like a traveling group of, um, you know. Wearsman, uh, and they end up devising a ploy to steal milk from the first cow that's in the territory that's owned by a rich guy and use it to make batter and basically make like donuts to sell at market and other things happen but it's a very sweet Pictorial of these two men's relationship and their love for each other and their love for just like a small comfort in a harsh world. Um, It's very poetic. It's well written. First cow, number 10. Number nine is The Personal History of David Copperfield. Have you heard of this movie? No. Okay. (laughs) Directed by. What?
1: I think we're going to be lucky if I've heard of one of these movies on your top ten list.
0: Yeah, that's maybe true. That's yeah. maybe true. That's
1: Overall, maybe true. my my taste and interest in movies is so 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 lowbrow that um, even my baseline exposure to the good stuff is minimal.
0: My taste is pretty lowbrow too. I'll be <laughs> like I like a lot of <laughs> lowbrow stuff, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of highbrow stuff. I think is just like fluff and bullshit. But um, personal history of David Copper. And I don't watch horror films, is the other thing I don't do. So there's Mm -hmm. no horror films, really, on this list. Directed by Armando Iannucci, (coughs) starring Dev uh, Patel, Hugh Laurie, um, Tilda Swinton, and Peter Capaldi. It's uh, based off the Charles Dickens book, uh, David Copperfield. And it's like an imaginative story, magical retelling of that story. I think Dev Patel is great. Iannucci is hit or miss for me. I didn't love The Death of Stalin. I thought Veep, which is a show he created, is great. Uh, The Thick of It, I think, is really good. Uh, Also starring Peter Capaldi. And this one really did it for me. It's like enough whimsical, sort of fantastical elements, but enough, like that makes it so that when you're sort of ground back to reality and like David Copperfield has to face the realities of his life, besides being in his sort of the stories in his own head, it's actually really impactful. And I think Dev Patel does a really good job. Number eight, uh, Le Mystère Henri pic The Mystery of Henry Pick. I talked about this on the pod a while ago. I won't go too far into it. A dead pizza chef has written a novel that's like a worldwide sensation and a um, sort of a book critic uh, doesn't believe that he actually wrote it and goes out to find who perhaps maybe wrote it or if the dead pizza chef actually wrote it, Uh, directed by Remy Bazarconne. Starring Fabrice Lucini and Camille Cotin. And Camille Cotin, who's actually a pretty famous French star, is incredible in this movie.
1: Hmm.
0: Number seven, Monos. uh, Directed by Alejandro Landes, Starring Moises Arias and Julianne Nicholson. This is a movie about... I don't know where they are. I'm going to be honest with you. Somewhere in Central America, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, or some other Spanish-speaking, Portuguese-speaking? I don't even remember, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It was a while ago I saw it, but it made a big impact on me. It's about a group of teenage guerrilla warfare fighters who capture an American, um, you know, sort of a Doctors Without Borders person uh, portrayed by Julian Nicholson. Uh, The movie's great. Um, it all takes I mean it's like once in a while I'm like oh I just want a n like a real good jungle movie mm-hmm. this is it like this Ooh. jungle movie is phenomenal you know That's I was sort nice. of hoping a movie I saw in 2018 called The Lost City of Z was gonna hit that mark for me did you see that?
1: no but we know who dropped the ball on that
0: yeah Charlie Hunnam <laughs> 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 as he always does bro uh huh uh okay, moving past monos. Number 6, uh the trip to Greece. I have a uh do you know about these movies, the trip movies? All right. Mm-hmm. So I have a real affinity to them. They're they're made as series, I think like 4 to 6 episode series in the UK and then they get a US and international release that is the series chopped down to like the best bits as a movie. Hmm. Uh, It stars um, uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. It's directed by Michael Winterbottom. Um, And it's basically them, both Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan, who are British comedians, playing a version of themselves. And the premise behind all of them is they get sent to a location to do a... Uh, write an article about touring the area and tasting food at the local restaurants. So the first one's the UK. The second one, I think, is Italy, and then Spain, and this is the trip to Greece. I don't know how these guys keep it fun after four movies and, like, coming Mm -hmm. up with different impressions, and they do dueling Michael Caine impressions, I think, in the first one. It's great. They're funny. Moving on. Number five... uh, The Invisible Man, starring Hmm. Elizabeth Moss. Did you see this film?
1: I did not see this film. And I don't know, yeah, I don't know much about The Invisible Man, except that everybody in my sixth grade class read that book, except me, and Mm -hmm. did a little diorama about The Invisible Man.
0: Were you supposed to read it and didn't, or you just Mm. like... You
1: know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a read whatever you want, do one book report a month. But it seemed like maybe it was like a popular checkout at our local library. And kids just took turns reading it. But
0: This is definitely like, I think was originally planned to be a spin in the dark universe, uh, which we've discussed briefly on the pod, uh, as sort of these warner's movie monsters like the swamp thing and the you know whatever but it ended up being a really beautiful and scary um film about i mean it is about an invisible man (laughs) i don't know what else to tell you but it's also about like just with a, a, a this beautiful story of um Uh, domestic abuse laid on top sort of like Mm -hmm. using the, the story of the invisible man to really tell a story about like the heroes and the, the silent invisible effects of domestic abuse and how scary it can be and how, you know, it's just like, and and Elizabeth Moss is incredible in it. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the movie's got flaws. I think like there's some overuse of CGI that's difficult for me to get past, but uh, her performance is incredible Uh, The movie is incredibly well edited. I was scared out of my mind. This actually is the only horror film on this list. But Mm -hmm. anyway, Invisible Man. Number four is a movie called Plus One. Have you heard of this film? Mm -hmm. No. It might be on Netflix. Oh, I think it might have been an Amazon release. And it may have come out in two thousand nine, but I didn't see it. I saw it in the theater in early two thousand twenty in New okay. Zealand. Um, directed by Jeff Chan and Andrew Reimer, starring Maya Erskine, who is one of the creators of that show Pen Fifteen. Do we know? Mm-hmm. That, or penis? Kind of maybe. No. Okay.
1: I've, I've I've seen it. I've seen it show up on my V, but I have not yeah. watched it.
0: I haven't watched it either. And it also stars Jack Quaid, who is. Meg Ryan, and Dennis Quaid's son. Whoa. Who's like an adult dude now. Whoa. It's a rom-com. Uh, the basic premise is... Um, the They're two old childhood friends who are always going as each other's plus one to weddings. And, you know, things happen. They get in fights, and they find relationships, but they, you know, want to sort of maybe have... A relationship together. Um, it was sweet. It was funny. It was everything I look for in a romantic comedy. The two main performances were like charming as hell. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm on board with both of these people. I hope they have long storied, beautiful careers. Um, all right. Top three. Number three. People going to give me maybe a little shit for this one. <laughs> I liked it. I think I saw some people dunking on it online, but I really liked it. My number three is Mank, directed by David Fincher, who's my boy, Mm -hmm. Uh, starring Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, and Lily Collins. Um, It is a black and white movie, shot in 4-3. It is uh, uh, about the writing of Citizen Kane Mm. by Herman Mankiewicz. Um, and a little bit about of his life. And Gary Oldman stars as Mank and uh, does is just, like, incredible. Um, they did this thing where they tuned all the audio to sort of sound like an old picture, like an old 30s or 40s picture. Um, and Amanda Seyfried, I have stars as, I don't remember her name, but, like, sort of a Hollywood star who's um, married to Hurst, who's the main antagonist in the movie. She is great, and it's really the first Amanda Seyfried performance I've really loved since, like, Big Love, which was a TV mm-hmm. HBO show she was in. Anyway, Mank, I'm for it. I'm pro-Mank. That's what I got. Number two, I talked about this last week, Nomadland, directed by Chloe Zhao. I mean, just astonishing. Frances McDormand, astonishing. Um, Go see it if you can. Go see it at the theater. Go see it at the theater if it comes by your way on on like a home experience. Just see it at home. See this movie. It's fucking incredible. Watch the whole thing. David Strathern is also really good, even though like he has a he has a very small part, really impactful. But like you just, I just can't get past how good Francis McDormand is in this movie, and how beautiful the movie is in itself. All right, number one, I've talked about it also on the pod. Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always is my favorite film of last year, directed by Eliza Hittman, starring Sidney Flanagan and Talia Ryder. Two young women who live in Pennsylvania have to travel to New York to get one of them an abortion. It is an extraordinary movie um, about the difficulties of doing that. For um, some people Depending on where they live and their economic situation The difficulties of that actual Of of the actual procedure And going through that um, uh, And how the medical system Sort of Makes it hard sometimes And how social systems Make it hard sometimes And how Men are kind of (laughs) Gross To be honest Um, And And Uh, You feel like you're there, you're like a third member of their party the whole time. I don't know how the film does this, but it makes you feel like you're with them the whole time. The two lead performances are astonishing. Astonishing, especially Sidney Flanagan. Uh, Didn't see anything quite like it last year, and yeah, that's it. So that's the top ten for me. figured I'd get it out there at some point.
1: That's a strong list. I know we spend most of our time here watching not-so-great movies, but mm-hmm. all of those, and I think your review of them, sound really strong. And I look forward to being able to watch some of those in the near I future. I look
0: forward to your top ten list, Derek. <laughs> Coming next week. Get ready, everybody.
1: <laughs> I'll put something together. We'll see, we'll see yeah. what I can come up with.
0: I'm fucking pumped for it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl is a much finer film critic than uh-huh. me. No. Uh And, uh, you know, I'm sure his list will be interesting and thoughtful and like quirky and all that kind of stuff. But guess what, Daryl? We got a couple more lists to get through. That's true. Yeah. Um, do you want to intro the bit, the segment?
1: Uh yeah, so this season, what are we on? Is are we on eighteen now?
0: Yeah, we're on eighteen. Cycle eighteen.
1: Yeah, cycle eighteen of No One Likes to Tune a Podcast. We left our fate to a random generator, and we, we let, um, yeah, we let the universe decide the order in which we watch these movies. And we've been watching them, and through this process, we've been making our top ten acting performances for each movie. Top five, excuse me. Um, and really, like, the lists over the past few weeks have been about which actors are showing up to work, all right? Who's putting in the time to understand what's going on in the movie and really giving it their strongest efforts. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, do you want me to start? I'm going to start. Yeah, hit, hit. I'm going to start. So my number five... I'm, curious, I'm actually curious to see how much we line up. I know I say that every week. I don't know if we will, but I think maybe we will. Number five for me is Jordana Brewster as oh. Mia Toretto. <laughs> uh, a, 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 an actor who is handed a, like half a role, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and really, I think, just does the absolute fucking best you can with what she's given. Um, There's, like, scenes where the scene in the diner, she's, like, outclassing Paul Walker to, like, the Uh 10th degree. Uh, She's good in the dinner scene with Dom and, and Paul. She's just, like, solid. And even, even, and I say this a lot, the, like, half a second you see her in a car... She's like ice cold. She's the fucking oh, yeah. ready to break Dom out of that bus at the end, you know. So I'm I'm pro Jordana Brewster. I'm pro Mia Toretto. I'm pro uh-huh. Jordana Brewster as Mia Toretto, number five for me.
1: Very nice. Uh, Mia did not make my uh, list this week. I in this watch through, I did not find her tears particularly convincing. Okay. I was not moved, and therefore she did make it through this in okay. this round. All right. Um, for me, at number five, though, I'd like to place Liza Lapira, who plays Trin, mm-hmm. and Trin is uh, yep. Well, what's what would we say her role is? She is um, she's, she's Brian O'Connor's junior
0: agent, kind of. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But she gives strong effort. Like her job, her job is to sort of support the investigation around. Brian O'Connor, and really sort of make his, um, yeah, make his illicit, the, yeah, the non-FBI yeah. version of his job make it seem okay. And she She's sells that.
0: given some of the dumbest fuck lines in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, chops through them pretty good. You know what I mean? She just, like, moves through them. They're like, all right, let's do this fucking dumbass line. I just mm-hmm. want to show you something. I don't know if you can see my number Six.
1: Uh huh. Nice. Is it backwards? I yeah. see it.
0: Yeah, you got it. She, nice. She ended up just off the list for me. Just off the list, number six. Yeah.
1: She's there. Nissan 240 with an illegal mod? Oh,
0: yes, of course. <laughs> Wait, go back. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, that's the line I was thinking of when I said mm-hmm. dumb lines, because that one is not very good. But, you know, she's like, she's there the whole time. She's present. She's, she's, in the room with the big boys. And Mm -hmm. um, I think she does a really good job pretty much. And she's like always right. That's one of the things I like. I think it's hard to play a character who's like right. You know, she she's on Brian's side the whole time. She's exasperated with the leadership at the FBI. She understands the difficulties of IDing compost through like Interpol's like collection of bullshit. I mean, she just like chugs through all this shit. With, like, you know, dignity, kind
1: of.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm yeah. So I'm in it. I'm in it. Uh, what's your number four performance?
1: Uh, so number four for me, I've got Paul Walker.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Paul Walker okay. is my number four this week. He looks mm-hmm. like he's having fun being a cop. And one of the things that I picked up on, because we watched um, Too Fast last week, he likes to repeat his lines, and I'm not sure if that's something that he does, um, like, it's part of the script, or something that he does because he gets too excited when he's there. He's repeating, yeah. like, he's saying, I forgot what he said this week, but, like, when he had the gun in um, the guy's face, and last week, and I forgot what he said this week, but he was he was doing something over the mic with um, with Dom, and he's repeating his lines over and over because he's in it and uh he wants to convey the urgency of the situation yep. and
0: no i he's think trying to paul, i think paul does a fine job you know i think paul is like i think he definitely understands like the what's at stake in in this like fr- 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 franchise wise and like how how to use the character to sort of like catapult this uh, movie into sort of a bigger world, a bigger universe kind of thing, but while still being an FBI agent on the ground doing his thing, you know, I'm pro Paul. I'm pro this movie. I realized over more and more over the weeks, this movie's a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Um,
1: I agree. Actually, I had a strong watch through today.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four for me, Gal Gadot mm. as Giselle. A star-making performance. Like, there's no doubt she shows up in this movie. Hollywood takes notice. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, fuck. This lady is going to be a monster, you know? And now she's fucking like Wonder Woman, killing killing cheetahs and shit, you know? Like, who would've thought? <laughs> Not me. Uh, but uh, uh, I think she comes in... She does again. She like does the job she needs to do, which is like convincingly flirt with Dom Toretto, uh, give steely-eyed looks, hint a little exposition and like intrigue around the compost, uh organization, and like eventually have a redemption arc at the end, uh, in terms of like turning on Braga and being a good guy. And mm-hmm. she does all of those things really well. Yep, yeah, that's my number four. Number three for me, <laughs> our boy Shay Wiggum <laughs> as Agent Stazia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We talk about Mr. Wiggum a lot on this podcast and how much we like him. I how good a piece of the series he is and how we all hope he would come back. I think, like, this as the intro to Asian Stasiak is, like, it's great. Yeah. He's, like, a bumbling... You know, we talked about uh, Liza being always right. Shay is always wrong. And, like, mm-hmm. I think that's a hard thing to play, too. You know? I like, I'm just, like, a, the bumbling fool hard-headed, he's got a good heart, but he's just fucking wrong all the time. <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think Shea Wiggum, as a seasoned and really talented character actor, pulls that off incredibly. mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And it's it's funny because you sort of end up liking his character. Like he's wrong all the time, but he gets immediate like karma. He gets immediate karma for it. Like yeah. he's thrown off the scent, taken down to evidence, he gets knocked in the face a little bit, so whatever you don't like about him, he immediately pays for yeah. on screen.
0: Yeah, and then we all move on and we're like, Okay, still you're okay. like you're still, you're still good. good. We trust you, you're part of the team, all that sort of shit. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's helpful that like the big brass are the guys who like make the mistake. Is that right? Like Shay doesn't call it in. It's like the main guy, right? Or is it Stasiak? Call it in. Remember when like the fake handoff is going on, going down, and like they don't wait for the ID and they just mm. give the go ahead without getting the the photo ID.
1: Mm. I don't remember if
0: it's Stasiak or the big guy.
1: It might have been Stasiak in yeah, the um, shipping container
0: might have been. Anyway, yeah. still like him. That's okay. Still trust yeah. him. Yes.
1: Still like him, still trust him. Yep. My number three is related. It's still within the FBI. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Conley plays mm-hmm. the police captain. And,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, I think he he does a great role. He, he does a great job um, setting the tone and sort of being the being the mediating party between the what's going on with Brian and what's going on with Stasiak. But I love that... He's angry and disappointed, but he is trying to get the miss- get the mission done. And I like the sort of aura he creates around how their office is run.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not not huge on him on this on, on this watch. I've liked him in the past. I wasn't huge on, on mainly because I was like digging what Liza was doing. I was digging what Shay was doing, and like his character although I guess he, like, portrays this really well, it becomes a foil to, like, all these people. He's, like, you know what I mean? His, like, bureaucratic structure becomes an obstacle to the goal in every place. And, like, while that's the purpose of his character in the screenplay, I just got a little frustrated with it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a solid performance. Uh, I think it's, like, a a guy who shows up and is, like, yeah, I'm 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 a captain, like, I'm going to do, like, the cop thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. I probably played a cop 30 times before this, also. So it's like, I got it. I got mm-hmm. this. You know? got
1: this. Yeah, I know what will bring to the table here, and yeah. I know it'll make it work.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is your number two, brother? Uh,
1: number two for me, I got John Ortiz. Braga. And... Is that yours too as well? It's
0: also my number 2. Is yeah. John Ortiz as Arturo Braga or Campos?
1: Mhm. Um yeah, I mean he yeah, especially the scenes in the club where he's just so cool. He's there, you can tell he's figuring out the relationship between Brian and Dom and booze broads, whatever you want. It's all good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, booze bros, whatever you want, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's good. Uh well I think the one thing that like for me puts him at this level in terms of my performances, uh, is that like the twist pays off. Right? Mm-hmm. Like when I first watched this movie and didn't know that the twist was coming, uh, it paid off. I mean I I didn't know. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I thought he was compost. I thought he like worked for Braga or whatever. So I think he does a good job of like distinguishing the compost things from the Braga stuff. And like Mm -hmm. that moment in the church with the priest where he's like so cool and confident and like in charge. Uh, And then the moments in the cars where he's scared and he's like freaked out. He's like, get me out of here. You -hmm. know, Uh, and he's like worried about his own people shooting him. I mean, he just has a lot to do. And I think he does all of the things well. You know, mm-hmm. he's not quite the scene stealer i think he is in 6 where it's like it's hard to be when you have so much to work with because he, you know in in 6 he can like prep all the time for like this one little piece and just like fucking nail it and i think he's great in that but in this mm-hmm. one like he just i mean he's 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 really good he's villainous i'm into him yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and i mean he i think In all of our rewatches, like his performance and the way that he plays Campos Braga at the same time and the way he delivers his lines where he's referring to, Yeah, of course I would die for him, especially me. Like, ooh, I like it and it's a it's his performance is incredibly rewatchable.
0: Totally. Totally. Number one. You ready for my number one? I think so. We might have the same number one. I hope that. I'm pretty sure we might have the same number one here. My number one is Vincent Diesel as Dominic Toretto.
1: We're in agreement here. I think he has a knockout performance in this movie, which for some reason Me too. I've never seen before. But in in my eyes, like this is where The Dominic Toretto character from the first movie sort of peaks, and before he becomes kind of like a superhero and ridiculous. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like the big, cloudy, giant, monotone person we all know. Mm -hmm. And love, but, you know. You know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oscar for best supporting actor in this movie, maybe? Like That's sort of my feeling about it. Like, he's so fucking good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, it, I mean, it's crazy. He's he's terrifying, uh, and threatening, but cool and lovable and loyal, and charming and sad, and mm-hmm. like he's everything to me. Yeah. He's everything to me in this movie. Yeah, I, th- I it might be his best perfor- Vin Diesel's best performance. Is this movie? I thought so too today. Yeah,
1: I thought so too. And yeah, like when he shares the screen with Gal Gadot,
0: yeah,
1: um, they uh, they had the yeah they have chemistry. But he's there, and he is what seems like I don't know himself. He seems like um, there's something there that we really like. And yeah. I don't know, yeah, I don't it's even magic. know, I don't know, I
0: don't know what it is. It's I don't know what it is. It's called fucking magic, bro. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, so, all right, to recap, my number five. Number five, Jordana Brewster as Mia Toretto. Number four, Gal Gadot as Giselle. Number three, Shea Wiggum as Agent Stasiak. Number two, John Ortiz as Arturo Braga. Number one, Vin Diesel as Dom Toretto.
1: Mm-hmm. Top five for me. Five, Liza Lapira playing Trin. Mm-hmm. Four, got Paul Walker. Um, three, I've got Jack Conley playing the police captain. Two, John Ortiz, numero uno, Vin Diesel.
0: Yeah. Solid list. I think we had a good, good list. list. We did list line up in the end. We started a little shaky, but then we lined up beautifully in the end. Um... I have one thing from this watch-through that I haven't talked about before in the past 18 cycles, I think. I've been, you know, we're timeline obsessed and, like, we, we talk a lot about how the timeline of these movies is a total fucking mess and doesn't make sense. But one thing I have never factored in and I don't know the ramifications of it is, like, they're at a sentencing hearing in the end. Mm-hmm. So between the car crash... And that sentencing hearing, there's probably like a year and a half. Hmm. You know what I mean? Cause like these things don't just like happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Hold on. The mm-hmm. other thing that doesn't work there is that we we always said we always sort of assumed that Brian and Mita
0: made the had baby. Sense. Made the baby in, the sex in that scene in this movie,
1: right? Which not possible I guess... in that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they just like fucked. Maybe they had trouble after you know, and like over the year they like it happened for them.
1: Mm-hmm. You know? do we have any other? Do we have any other time anchors that um, might exist between?
0: The only other thing like this movie has to take place in two thousand nine mm-hmm. because. Letty's tombstone in the beginning of seven Um. says Leticia Ortiz, blah, blah, blah to 2009. Uh, So we know the first chunk of this is in 2009, Uh (laughs) (laughs) but we don't, I don't know that doesn't prevent the rest of it from being somewhere in like the 2010, 2011 of like the, the, the sentencing, and then the bus scene, and then the start of five,
1: basically. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who yeah, knows? The, the assumption that he would have an uh, immediate sentencing hearing is, like, very weak, in fact.
0: Yeah, because he has to get convicted first, mm-hmm. right? And if he's convicted, he has to, like, either—he has to get arraigned, and then he has to, like, get pled. So if he pleads guilty, it would speed things up a little faster, Probably, because there wouldn't be like a whole trial and shit. But, um, you know, we got to get, there still is like, they have other, case, you know, there's a docket, and then they schedule the next thing for like two months down the road, and then they schedule the next thing for like two months. You know, these things don't happen immediately, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying?
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: there has to be some time between him getting arrested at that desert and that sentencing hearing.
1: Mm. Um I had one thing to say about this movie. So we I've personally talked a lot of shit about the tunnel scenes. Mm-hmm. And um the final one in particular is such a letdown because yeah. you don't get to see what's happening in the tunnel, and it's obviously all CGI'd. Yeah. The live action component of it is very low. Mm-hmm. Um In watching it today, there is I yeah, I think the way to that would would have been remedied, maybe if there was a lot more budget or something, is if you slowed down the tunnel scene. Because Mm. there was, in fact, a good amount of action that was happening in there. You had a lot of cars, and they were doing the scenes where it would be narrow, and then it would split open, and you would be able to drive two cars next to each other. And those are the scenes where they are, yeah, trying to drive each other into walls. Uh, Vin gets to, yeah, like, jumps across two cars and beats up another guy. But if you're not paying attention, then all of that just looks like
0: A mess. A mess, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. But it seems, yeah, in watching it today, like, if they had an opportunity to slow all of that down and really take time to show, like, yeah. The yeah, problem like,
0: comes with that, Daryl, I think, is that, then the CGI looks worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, CGI is hard. It's like really hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to do, and it's hard to do convincingly. And to do it convincingly takes a lot of time in front of the computer and like money spent on render farms and shit like that, right? So the sort of quicker you can get in and out of your CGI shot, Or like Mm -hmm. the less sort of stuff, you know, so I think part of the effect of editing this piece has to be a little bit of a tug of war between, okay, how good can we make these shots look and how much money Mm -hmm. do we have to spend on these CGI pieces versus like how much, um, like, do we need to sort of stay with this shot to construct the narrative of what's happening in the tunnel. Right. Mm -hmm. I think they trend tend way too far to one side in the, in the final product where it's like just too fast to like sort of, they were hoping it sort of made sense in terms. And if you really sit down and really glue your eyes to it and it kind of works out, but it's, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think more effective action scenes overall, not just car scenes, are like, set up what's going to happen, show me it happening. You know, we talk about that with fight scenes a lot of the time, too. Uh, but I think doing that makes it a, a, a much larger burden on the CGI artists and the mm-hmm. CGI sort of outsourcing of of like, okay, we just actually don't have time to do this like 10 second shot of the cars running through the thing and this mm-hmm. and, this, and an arm sticking out the window or whatever. You know, it's, just, we, 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 it's not within the realm of possibility. Right. So I think you're right there that like, slow it down, show what's going to happen, then have show it happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Or cut or cut it out. Yeah, or cut it out. Or cut it out. Cut it out. Yeah. You know what? Just get through the tunnel and like have a big blow up scene on the, on the road. That'd yeah. Cool. Do that. Yeah. i been on do that, that road before. Apparently, the helicopters all go away once you're on that road. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Mm. You want to do shout outs and get the fuck out of here? Let's do it. Cool.
1: Um, shout out for me this week. Uh, we've talked in the past about underpants.
0: Mm, lots we've talked about lots it a lot. yeah
1: yeah so i got some i got some from i'm usually i usually wear a Uniqlo uh boxer brief but i just yeah and i usually buy a bunch during christmas time i didn't do that this year i changed it up a little bit i went with the amazon good threads Mm-hmm. it's a high quality underpin.
0: it's good it's now, a, can it's I good ask stuff. a question? These, these boxer briefs, these are ones that are sort of boxer length, but hug the thigh. That's your style. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's not like the, I think I had to do a little bit of research. They have ones that are like a longer style that are closer to like a mid-thigh. I don't mm-hmm. need that all the yeah. way down there. It's up. It's higher than that. Right, but,
0: right, 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 right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, yeah, it's a high-quality underpant. Like, material's good. It's, like, I think it's 95% cotton with some spandex. But the elastic on the top is sturdy. There's no tag. They're comfortable. And there's just, like, they're just black with, like, a white stripe on top. And yeah. they're, they're doing the job.
0: Um, I mean, I... I- I haven't bought underwear in a while. I don't know what to tell you. I can't. I can't if I can't find underwear. I mean still uh-huh. got the same problem. I'm still stuck with the same you have a cornucopia of places to go and find underwear <laughs> as a boxer brief briefwear. You uh-huh. are the chosen people. The boxer brief the boxer brief people, okay? Uh-huh. The regular old good old fashioned boxers. Mm-hmm. I mean we're just like we um, we have to go, we're in the doldrums we're, we're we're stuck in the stone age here you know <laughs> I have to like go to a tailor and say please can you make me some box some bespoke boxers. put a button on the front and make mm-hmm. me some bespoke boxers yeah do your boxer briefs have a button no button no button
1: hold they on is it a you slot have... yes yeah yeah just a normal normal slot
0: do you peel uh, out the w- slot or do you pull down at the mm,
1: urinal? Depends what pants I'm wearing.
0: Oh!
1: If I so if I'm wearing a like a button fly pant, mm-hmm. then I have to unbutton the button Pop. fly, and I think yeah. I do a pull down. But if I have something that has a fly, I'll go pull out. Yeah. But it depends if I also tuck my shirt in that day. Because if Ooh, I have a shirt true. that's in between, then I gotta figure out something else.
0: I, I used to have a trick where I would start the day untucked, and mm-hmm. if I splashed a little on the shirt, I'd just <laughs> tuck it in. <laughs>
1: yeah, good hack, good hack. Yeah,
0: good hack is good. Good hack is good. Um, I very rarely, well, one, I don't own a button fly because I think it's a torture device used mm-hmm. to control us.
1: So you got to be careful with that zipper though. The zipper is basically a series of miniature knives that if
0: with but I got I have a fabric barrier in between, bro. I got to have mm-hmm. to a piece of cotton in between. I <laughs> zip it all zip, zip 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 I'm like a DJ. I zip that fly up all down but uh-huh. then, I mean make sure I'm tucked in first.
1: You mm-hmm. know.
0: But I'm an adult. I can handle the zipper.
1: Uh question about the button on the boxer. Mm. I have, yeah, like, I've, I, yeah, I wore boxers for many years, but yeah. I had the button. I would never, since, yeah, after I, I wear it the first time, leave it unbuttoned. Just, it doesn't need to be buttoned.
0: doesn't need to be buttoned. I don't button.
1: Ah, got it.
0: I just leave it unbuttoned. Unless, Good. as we discussed previously, the delivery guy shows up, and <laughs> I'm in my boxers. It's the only time, bu- I'm not putting pants on for the delivery guy, By I will... I will button the button. Right, okay? right. It's a little that's bit customary. Of this, it's it's a courtesy. It's a right. courtesy for you. I'm gonna button the button. <laughs> just make sure I'm gonna, you know, come out. Right, right. Um all right, what are these Amazon threads?
1: Yeah, they're just called they're good threads, which is like the good um, Yeah, that's like the Amazon house brand.
0: Uh, I got a little shout out. I may have done this shout out before, but it bears mm-hmm. repeating. I got a neck thing. I don't know if our listeners know that. A couple years now, just fucking my neck sucks, and I just like it hurts every day. Different levels of pain. I keep a neck diary mm. in terms of what my pain is at. I've considered surgery. I've considered. I use Tiger Balm, which I've talked about on the thing. Recently, I, I was doing this a while ago, but I fell off and I recently started again. And I had forgotten how much it's helped. I started doing yoga again. Mm-hmm. I mean, day one, it's like, oh, fuck, my neck feels amazing. It's, like, incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because, like, turns out everything in your body is kind of connected to each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if
0: I'm stretching my calves out, stretching my, like, Achilles out... That's stretching out my calves It's stretching out my hammies that's stretching out my like the connections to my my lats and my lower back, which go up to like the scapula the 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 shoulder blades which go up to the muscles in the neck you know so it's like if i if I'm stretching down on my legs i'm actually having a positive effect on what's going up sort of higher up uh and I'm not into like the you know, the hoodoo, whatever it is, the uh, mm-hmm. like um
1: spiritual orientation.
0: Yeah, not for me. Listen. Mm-hmm. There's one guy, people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, it is a couple things. <laughs> All right? Just a couple. Don't murder people. Cut off our baby's penises a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a couple things. This is a couple things. Alright? No, I'm kidding. But I it, I it, I don't care what I believe. But 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 uh yeah i i'm less into like the spiritualistic side of it but i do appreciate the hour of really good stretching Mm -hmm. you know it's like i really need that and like it's really hard i feel like i sweat a lot more than other people in the class but hey that's just me i'm a sweaty dude and uh i like the little 10 minute nap you get at the end Mm -hmm. and um Yeah, it's just like a thing I've been doing a couple times a week now, and it's like, it's crazy helpful. Yeah, it's really good.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I haven't done done yoga in a little while, and when I was doing it with Jess, I certainly, like, my flexibility is poor. I just like to go and do stuff, and then I don't like to stretch. And in the few times that I, like, was taking it seriously, like, you leave, and you know, your legs are kind of wiggly and you're hot and that's the kind of workout you're actually looking for. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps you alive.
0: Long term. Totally. Long term. Yeah, It's like long term benefits. I see it. I see it. And like these old ladies in the fucking class are just like Cra They're crazy, man. They're yeah. like doing all these kinds of things, and I'm like shaking next to them. Like, <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know? save,
1: save. <laughs> like, pass me another one of those blocks. I can't reach anything I gotta get, in this I gotta year. Block
0: it up. My yeah. hamstrings are so tight, I can't like do the leg up kind of thing.
1: Yeah, you know, none of that.
0: None of that. So, um, but you know, I need a class. I can't do the like yoga at home thing and like do a daily. Practice for myself. Mm-hmm. I need somebody up front being like, do this now. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you I'm need in those, a place I can do that.
1: And you need those old ladies next to you because it keeps you motivated, helps you stick to that position for just a little bit longer.
0: For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, those ladies are, are my rock. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My yoga rock. So shout out to yoga. If you guys don't do it, get on it. Uh, And shout-out to us, if you want to, at NOLT Podcast on Twitter. Uh, No one likes to tune a podcast on Instagram. Rate and review Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast. Our first Riddick episode will be up when this drops. So, get on it. Um, Email? Choose an email. I have... I should check to see if I'm locked out of the account again. (laughs) I don't know if I... I have bad trouble. It's not Mm -hmm. a good road.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Anything else you got for our listeners this week, Daryl?
1: Nope. That's it. That's a wrap. Yeah. More top fives from us next week?
0: Yeah, this podcast sucks, man. (laughs) Okay. See you later. Peace.